0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the Daily Objective as we're talking about the recent uh, incident involving Solomon Rushdie, the novelist who has been um, under threat of attack by orders of the Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran ever since uh, about around 1990 or so. Uh, He was finally assaulted almost lethally on Friday, if I'm not mistaken, the end of last week. And uh, he's expected to survive and to function and to live with probably some uh, very uh, unfortunate permanent damage. And uh, here to discuss it with me, with me is Mark Pellegrino.
1: Oh, hey, how are you?
0: Hey, pretty good. Uh, trying to process everything that's taking place. Please, everybody, leave a like, uh, super chat your questions or thoughts and uh, support this network because uh, we're one of the few networks that can defend Solomon Rushdie in, the, in a meaningful way. Uh, so hit that join button to become a member as well. So when it comes to Salman Rushdie, so he was, like I said, he was, uh, he wrote a book called Satanic Verses. It was perceived as insulting or in some way depicting the Prophet Muhammad, which is uh, not looked at kindly by some Muslim uh, interpreters, including the Iranian government, whose supreme leader issued a death decree uh, offering a million or $3 million dollars for the head of Salman Rushdie. He was then in hiding for about a decade and then said, you know what, I'm not gonna hide anymore and began appearing uh, in public with no uh, security or with some security, but he is not hiding away anymore. He's been making many public appearances, including appearing on uh, a couple seasons ago on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Have you seen that?
1: Did I see that?
0: Uh, uh, Maybe. Fatwa, the, the musical, doesn't uh, ring a bell.
1: Oh, is that okay. what it
0: was? Yeah, Fatwa, the musical. So Larry David, uh, he produces Fatwa, the musical. And uh, of course, a fatwa is immediately placed on himself by Iran. <laughs>
1: um,
0: so he ends up meeting Solomon Rushdie in one of the early episodes of the season. And Solomon tells him, well, you've got a fatwa on you. The ladies find you irresistible. So it was a very funny episode and funny <laughs> season.
1: Um, Great. I should uh, I should look that episode up.
0: Absolutely. So uh, so what does this uh, story mean to you, uh, the, the, the case of Solomon Rushdie and the attack on him and just the, the ongoing decades of threats against him and what he's had to deal with? Well, what what how would you what would you abstract from this? Obviously, some people say this is about artistic freedom. Some would say this is about religion versus secularism, I guess. To you, what would, what's the fundament? What's the fundamental?
1: Uh, all of those things which come under the general uh, moniker of West protecting and defending Western civilization. But as usual, um, we don't snuff out the the disease of anti-Westernism and and, uh, violence at the very start. And so it can metastasize over years like this and and become an ever-present danger that we just sort of cope with and live with perpetually instead of you know, dealing with it from the very beginning the way it deserves to be deal, dealt with. And, and in this case, um, this probably goes back to 1979, 10 years before the fatwa was issued against uh, Salman Rushdie, uh, letting the Iranian militant uh, religious militants get away with kidnapping and holding uh, American citizens hostages for, for over 400 days without serious retaliation has emboldened them to do things like this, issue fatwas against Western writers, which I think is a declaration of war and and issue uh, rewards for the heads of various, um, um, for for the literal heads of our uh, statesmen, like uh, Secretary Pompeo, I think has a $30 $30 million uh, reward for his head in Iran. Those are declarations of war, as far as I'm concerned, against uh, directly against American citizens and against uh, Western civilization in general. And you should snuff it out immediately. Yeah, ever
0: since the uh, Iranian revolution and the, uh, the taking of American hostages in Iran in, in 1979, Iran, the Islamic Republic of Iran, has been at war with America. Um, but... Um, Not only that, not only have the Iranians attacked American troops throughout the 80s and till now, not only have they targeted our publishers and, you know, and nationalized American and and European owned property, that is businesses from those continents owned property such as oil uh, resources. But even worse, they have inspired, they have served as a model for people like Osama bin Laden. And people whether they're Sunni or Shiite or whatever they are, people who want to see Islam reign supreme, Islam rule over the world. They want they, they see that, oh, they, they see, oh, the West can be overtaken. Western interests can be taken. The world can be overtaken by Sharia law or whatever type of law that is represented by Islamic rule. So uh, it serves uh, as a concrete example to people like bin Laden and ISIS of what may be possible and the Palestinians definitely the uh, religious elements over there, which is basically, I think, uh, a big uh, part of it since the 80s. People who want to see Islam rule over mankind are inspired by the Iranian uh, regime. So there's a there have long been many reasons for America and other Western countries to uh, take the Islamic threat seriously, specifically from Iran. Now, when they threaten and try to kill um, Salman Rushdie and his affiliates, this is an attack on free speech. This is an attack on free thought because without free speech, you you can't really think freely. Um, this is something I, I hear objectivists talk about, right? The the relationship between speech and thought, uh, which is a hard one for me to really always understand, if I'm honest. Like, like, well, can't I mean, can't you think freely but not but watch what you say? I mean, we all do that all the time, right? Like you don't always say what you
1: think. Right, but I think I think the essence of a free society is a, persu- a persuasion society where various uh, con- conflicting points of view are able to put their, their ideas out there and enable you to compare and contrast. And that's what gives you the capacity to to think even more clearly. So it's, it's certainly a, a free speech enables us to take advantage of uh, you know, the this, this social mechanism as a magnifier of knowledge. Um, and and I, think, uh, I think that's vital. And yeah, this is an attack against, uh, against free speech and it should be dealt with extremely harshly, but of course it won't be. These monsters, um, I, think, I think the political class uh, in general um, thinks that uh, ever-present monsters are very good things because they keep us in um, a constant state of um, hypervigilance, uh, but not for what we need to be hypervigilant for, but for these enemies that are constantly out there. It distracts our attention away from what we need to be focused on. So the, re- <clears throat> the, the
0: reason that um, America, the, the government and the military doesn't address this threat, uh, you're saying, is in part because they want us to be, like they want to drag this thing out, uh, I, mean, kind of, I think is that kind of the consequence of
1: well, of I warfare? mean, I, I think that's a consequence. I think they they just they're just philosophically and morally back backwards, uh, but I also think it serves the practical purpose of keeping the electorate distracted and in a constant state of need for the political class. They like emergencies. They like war. Every every t- the government phrases everything in warfare and battle terms and in emergency terms, and that's the way they want the citizen. To they want the citizen to to stay in a constant state of emergency, which I think is um, unfortunate for our psychologies. But he, he, don't you don't you think this is where we're finding ourselves today?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, when when politicians run for office or when uh, uh, politically motivated news media are reporting events, they frame it as this is an emergency, this is a crisis, everything, the sky is falling. Um, so then why won't they deal with this actual threat, such as the Islamic threat or particularly the the Iranian regime's ongoing attacks on Western countries and Western interests? Uh, one of the reasons I think being um, actually dealing with the truth, actually dealing with reality is is kind of a bridge too far for a lot of us in, here in the Western world because of, you know, said philosophical choices. Also, you um, Confronting religion, because America is a largely religious society, sadly, or has become so definitely like people like George W. Bush are very religious and always had a very hard time believing and let alone, um, you know, uh, promoting the idea that religious people could do stuff like 9-11, that religious people who truly are religious could you know, harm the innocent. So they try saying, no, this is not even, they're not even really Muslim. This is not Islam. This is a bastardization of Islam. So they, they have a hard time uh, confronting a religion because, they, because that would mean question, uh, being open to the idea that religion is antithetic to rational, civilized life. And of course, altruism is also kind of, um, it, um, sort of underlying a lot of this because uh, confronting a real threat assertively that requires a real ego, that requires uh, first-handedness and selfishness. And of course, altruism says you may not, you know, altruism of course has turn the other cheek. So their religion and sort of secular altruism uh, are, are joined together and saying, turn the other cheek when somebody slaps
1: you. Yeah, there's that. And I think the secular left, you know, has the anti-colonialist approach, which basically pigeonholes capitalism as, as a colonial imperialistic type of power, as opposed to a, a, a free sort of economic system and holds that, that system, that imperialist, colonialist uh, system as responsible for all the injustice in the world and all the resulting hostility in the world towards the United States. So uh, we got the, the religionists on the, on the right who can't confront uh, fanatical religious uh, freaks, murderous freaks because of their uh, understanding of religion and their relationship to that. And we have the people on the, on the, the secular left equate, you know, our political power and economic power with, you know, thievery and abuse and uh, slavery and hold all hostility against us from these other countries, these benighted countries as justified and the violence that they use against us as justified.
0: Yeah, no matter. So anytime uh, America or a Western country is attacked um, by a, a Muslim force, a Muslim group or person. It must be our fault. It could only be revenge. It can't possibly be that they're motivated by what they believe, which is their religion and and imposing their religion on the rest of us. It can't. No, because we're told people are not motivated by philosophy. They're not motivated by what they believe. we we're basically material brutes. Right. We're we're Mar- we're Marxist uh, groups or something or some equivalent uh, motivated either by economic interests, or by just range of the moment uh, knee-jerk reaction. So if we're attacked, it's either because we're making them poor or because we bombed them first and they're getting revenge. It can only be one of those two things, the way uh, kind of conventional views, I think, see it.
1: Um, I, I think so too. And I think there's an element of condescension to these determinists who are saying that, you know that uh, you can't expect these cultures to act in any other way than they are. Um, and and that's, that's part of it a, as well. Absolutely. And the
0: tragic thing is, um, you know, if you listen to your Ron Brooks, history of the Middle East uh, lecture series, it, it's it, he, he tells the story of like, like through the 19th century um, and, and, and through the 20th century, uh, the wealthy and powerful in the Middle East, they would send their kids to study in Europe. I mean, where, you know, if you have money and power, where do you send your kids to study? And you're in the Middle East at that time, you send them to Europe to the most prestigious schools. And uh, sadly, by that time, when students were going to school in Europe, they were not learning Enlightenment values. They were not learning individualism, capitalism, and liberalism. They were learning, you know, Kantian, German, like anti-Enlightenment thought. They were learning collectivism. They were learning Marxism. They were learning things that were actually antithetic to what makes Europe and the West great, what makes Europe successful. So these uh, Arab or Persian Men were sending their sons to study in order to find out what makes the West successful. But, and their kids were bringing back ideas that were actually what was going to ruin Western civilization. And of course, these ideas spreading in the Middle East and you know, Persia or whatever uh, and Asia was not actually making them more successful, but was having the opposite effect.
1: Um, yeah, and I th- and I think the embrace of the Middle East of uh, fundamentalist religion has uh, has gone a long ways to creating an atmosphere where advancement and progress is is uh, extremely difficult. So it's not not just Marxism, At least Marxism and socialism hold the material world in, in some sort of value, and and I think even Islam does too. They're they're less embarrassed about material well being than I think uh, Christians are, but. Certainly the merging of the state and, and, relig- and religion and and the, and the fanatical adherence to that merging um, as will cause serious, serious, serious retrograde issues in a society. Yeah, uh,
0: My- Marilyn with $5 says, we continue to pay for our cowardly, lame, pathetic response in 1979. We should have beat the crap out of Iran then. And then Marilyn again says, presidents reflect the culture. Presidents are followers, not leaders. It's the culture that must change starting in the universities. Yeah, that's uh, well, that's how I see it. The the political classes are essentially bottom feeders. When you actually think about it, Um, they are they want the the support of the voters or of the donors. um, And ultimately, they give the public what they want. People always talk about these politicians like they're like they're manipulating us like they're not doing what we want them. They're doing exactly what we, quote, want them um to do they're they're giving us a lobby system you know if we wanted laissez-faire capitalism we would p- elect people that want that are going to implement that so that's what we need we need uh, the culture to change and it starts with you and me
1: that's correct
0: um yeah. so so solomon rushdie was attacked and that's an attack on free speech and free speech is important. Uh, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons you said, is because of uh, persuasion is necessary in order to get to the truth, in order to have ideas. So, if our if free speech is taken away, then we can we can't change the culture, we can't change the world, uh, because we're not free to debate, we're not free to express a philosophical ideas. So that's one of the reasons, and
1: maybe the main reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't deal with one another as reasoning beings through persuasion, we only have uh, the, the fist and the sword and the gun. Um, those are the only two ways that you can deal with human beings. So that's, that's why one of the reasons I think uh, Pekoff had said a long time ago, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong that you know the time to rebel is when um, there's no more freedom of speech that's that's when it's time to take arms. And uh, we see a country now where the traditional, you know, supporters of free speech are actually hostile to it, uh, overtly hostile to it. And the right solution is to, uh, to the rationalism of the left and their, and, and their particular rejection of the enlightenment is to reject the enlightenment in its own right too. The individualism of the Enlightenment, which I think they blame a lot of our problems uh, today on the individualism that the Enlightenment uh, gave birth to. So we have two illiberal, anti-Enlightenment uh, political points of view dominating the, the political discourse right now. And that is has to change. But I don't think it can change until we change the culture.
0: Right, and we need to change it by offering a positive. So uh, in addition to uh, owning the libs and uh, pwning the right, we need to offer a, a very positive uh, f- uh, view, a, a positive philosophy. So the religious right or you know, conservatives in general, and this, and this is increasingly so in recent years, they're uh, losing their love for free speech. They are warming up to the idea that maybe insulting religion, for instance, should not be... Um, constitutionally protected because religion is a fundamental of our society, the way they see it. They see that the the insulting of religion and the public rejection of religion actually brought about a lot of this leftist um, Mishigasim that we're dealing with here in the world. So that's kind of th- those those people, are they, they don't really have the uh, caliber. They don't really have the, um, um, is, that, is caliber the word? They don't have the ammunition to face a threat. Like this against Solomon Rushdie, and then of course the the left, the nihilists, the su- subjectivists. Uh, to them, um, oppression is the greatest form of currency. So as soon as someone makes the case that Muslims are being oppressed and being uh, that there's bigotry against Muslims, then you can never get mad at any Muslim for anything. And anything that 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 comes out of the Islamic world is only a response to Western imperialism. And it's, it can only be a revenge, and they had no choice but to do it. So these are the people that are uh, supposed to uh, stand up for Solomon Rushdie. I think not. Um, <laughs> have you read uh, Solomon Rushdie's book, by the way? Because I have not.
1: I have not read the Satanic Verses.
0: Um, but you've seen some of the uh, Danish cartoons um, that, uh, that caused more violence in around the mid-2000s, of course. Yeah. The, a lot easier yeah, to look yeah. at those cartoons than it is to read an entire book. Um, and uh, you've seen South Park. You've seen some of the South Park episodes relating to is- Islam and Muhammad. Or were you uh, were you did you not have cable at that time or something?
1: I'm, I'm I, I have cable, but I just wasn't into South Park. Sorry.
0: No, you're, I mean, this is important stuff. I mean, the South Park cartoon wars, it was called. So South Park, they're, they're so funny. They like they took the opportunity to, like, criticize the show Family Guy in this two part uh, episode two episode uh, thing where they, they're like, they're making it about the Danish cartoons and, and how uh, Muhammad cannot be depicted by cartoonists without facing violence from the Islamic world. But South Park went about it by also insulting family guy and just saying that family guy is not a very good show. It was, uh, it was pretty cool, but I mean, I, and it's relevant because of the social commentary uh, relating to free speech, etc. cetera. Um, so, and And then uh, and South Park continued um, attempting to depict Muhammad, but Comedy Central would not air it. Comedy Central would not show uh, the image of Muhammad. Then later HBO, which which purchased all the South Park episodes, uh, they declined to purchase and air that those particular episodes that were going to feature Muhammad.
1: Well, and that, and it just goes to show you how cowardly Hollywood is on on every level, and uh, and and that 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 doesn't discourage uh, the violence; it encourages it, right? It's a uh, it, it it shows the the bullies that uh, you're you're going to give in to threats of violence. Uh, you should be putting that shit like boss like bo- like uh, boss says you should be putting this shit in their face. Mm-hmm. You should be doing it every day. <clears throat>
0: an original Bosch foston right here. He drew uh <laughs> Muhammad handing the football to family guy, which was what South Park attempted to depict but was not allowed on TV. Um but I think the uh the ex- one of the bombings of the town square Times Square, excuse me, in New York around the late 2000s around 2009 or 10 was said to be in response to South Park's um, sort of um, attempt to show Muhammad basically like it was largely speculated, if not outright uh, demonstrated and proven that that attack by an Islamist was in response to South Park's uh, um, attempt to show Muhammad and some people at Comedy Central, like people working there, people somewhat loosely related to South Park said, like, these people are putting us at risk, like, you know, so I tend to say. As, as cowardly as it is when newspapers and when networks won't go near this cartoon, won't go near Muhammad, it really is the government's job to be protecting our free speech. It really is, you know, the, the Pentagon and the military's job to, uh, to, to tell the world, don't threaten the, free, the First Amendment of Americans. So the fact that the government has failed to do that, the fact that the government has not done that, I think is really the real problem because it shouldn't be the job of private citizens to, to take that kind of risk. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I I I think um I think they're afraid justifiably because they know the government isn't going to be there. Uh, it, it's not going to fill the gap for them when when push comes to shove they're going to you know make excuses and they're going to be out on their own against these militant freaks. Um that said, I mean, uh I understand the fear, uh but I don't think we should give into it. I think we should we should continue to press for the right types of values in the face of this kind of violence.
0: Right. Um, and Marilyn with $2 says, Mohammed pictures should be everywhere. And everywhere is an the, the, the,
1: the Ayatollah should be issuing fatwas, you know, by the millions every single day.
0: Yeah. Another um, uh, sort of chapter in the story of Mohammed cartoons was Charlie Hebdo. Are, I think the tail end of 2013, mm-hmm. uh, their their headquarters were shot up and, um, you know, for showing the Prophet Muhammad and um, and everywhere on the Internet and everywhere you, you went. You saw signs that said, you know, however you pronounce it, Jesui, Jezui, Charlie, right? Like Je I am.
1: Char- sweet Charlie.
0: sweet Charlie. And so everyone's saying, I'm Charlie. I'm Charlie. Really? Because Charlie was showing the actual cartoon and you're just using words, I mean, why don't you show the actual cartoon if if you are Charlie, it was a little bit uh, strange, I thought that so many people wanted to show their solidarity with Charlie Hebdo, except they wouldn't actually show the cartoon that got them uh,
1: shot up. Well, you know, we're in the age of virtue signaling. And uh, it's the it's the the act of claiming and asserting that you stand for something that's more important than actually doing something about it. That's for sure. Yeah. All right.
0: So uh, speaking of uh, not empty virtue signaling, uh, please become a member of the channel and actually uh, get ed- education, entertainment, as well as supporting a network that is going to spread good ideas because uh, there's no way around it, folks. It's the only way we're going to get there. All right. Uh, well, I think we covered this topic. Basically, we covered Salman uh, Solomon Rushdie and free speech. Um, you know, there was, I think targeting of American um, publishers and translators and stores that sold Salman Rushdie's books. So this is very much an American problem. This is not just you know some English um, situation. That
1: yeah, he was he was attacked in 1989. Um, he went into hiding, as you said. I think one of the translators of his books was murdered. Mm -hmm. um and there have been there were attacks and threats on various stores that uh that chose to advertise his book so this is a this is a serious thing man i say drone strike the ayatollah
0: yeah absolutely um he's had it coming for a long time um and and more i would say not not because we enjoy gratuitous uh violence and war but because there is a time to kill there's a time to to act in self-defense and uh, iran definitely has it coming the the regime uh and embolden the rebels i mean there's a, there i mean there's a whole there's a there's a list of tactics that would be most effective in you know toppling the regime over there and emboldening the better forces within the rebels but we don't even believe in in uh, again like here in the, this culture we don't believe in western civilization so how are we ever going to spread it how are we ever going to encourage it in iran
1: Well, the people the people in 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 places of power and and in the information world certainly don't believe in Western civilization. So we have to try to usurp those places and uh, and and start a renaissance.
0: That's absolutely right. Um, And a reminder to everyone, Leonard Peikoff and the objectivists were on top of this from the start. Ayn Rand was on top of Iran. (laughs) Ayn Rand was on top of the Islamic public. Republic of Iran way back when at the end of her life, she was saying, we're going to pay for this forever. And yeah, like I said, Iran served as a model for to bin Laden to the Palestinian religious religionists who might have mellowed out, but for the the uh, shining, um, uh, inspiring example of what Iran represented to them. I mean, there's just so many ways incalculable how different the world could be today if America had dealt with Iran and nipped it at the bud. I mean, 9-11 likely would not have been what it was um i mean bush might have been an unremarkable president then there's probably no obama and no trump i mean it's 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 hard to know how different the world could be today if america had just dealt with this threat against america when it was time all right uh on that inspiring note uh coming up at 9 p.m uk time today it's hbtv with harry binswanger on ayn rand and John Hospers. So looking forward to that and uh, we'll be back here tomorrow for the daily objective. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. And goodbye.